Hey everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. Well, good morning to those of you that are watching, wherever you're watching from. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening in at whatever point in the week that you're listening or watching. Good to have you part of our what we're trying to do here. And so we know that we live in, you've heard this a thousand times, interesting, unprecedented, strange days. And we're trying to navigate through that and work through all the different changes and the things that we think you know we ought to be doing or what we should be doing and somewhat tell, somebody tells us we need to be doing. So we're trying to navigate through all that. And, and so... What's important, necessary, I think, for all of us is, is some clarity, is that we just have some clarity as far as what is it that God requires of us? What is it that God wants for us? I mean, you've heard the word, you know, essential, what's essential, what's not essential. Here's some, here's some things that we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks that, that God would say, these are essential. These are necessary. Anything else other than these things is probably really not all that important but, you know, these are the things that God says, I, I want, if you can focus in on these in these days, uh, in these times where we call in the meantime, you know, in these days where we're not really sure, you know, how to even, what's ahead, how to, and even how to navigate through the uncertainty of what's ahead, not being able to see, you know, and, and prepare for the future. So what do we do in the meantime? What do we do in these days? Well, I think we should do Micah 6.8. Uh, that's what we should do. And Micah 6, 8, it says this. It says, that, and he has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? If, so I think that this one verse, I think, gives us more than anything else a, a time where we can look at and say, God, what is it that is essential for you? What is it that you require? What is it that is necessary? And he says, what is required of you? He says, but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. I think if for, for us in the meantime, Micah 6 8 is a good approach. In the meantime, where we're trying to navigate whether, you know, church, what to do with church, what to do with school, what to do with politics, what to do with all the different, you know, social unrest that's going on in this world. How do we navigate through that? These are challenging times for sure, especially if you're leading your family and, or leading a, a, a company. Uh, man, these are, these are things I think we, we just say, you know what, God, if these are the things that you require, God, if these are the things that you say are good, these are the things that I'm going to do. I'm going to do justice. I'm going to love kindness, and I'm going to walk humbly with your God. As a way of sort of transitioning or building the bridge from what we've been talking about since January, the idea of sowing the seed of the word of God. So our word for the year has been sow. We want to sow the seed of the word of God into the good soil of our heart so that it produces something that we couldn't produce on our own. So we've been looking at what the Apostle Paul calls the fruit of the spirit. You know, we look love and joy and peace and patience, and we've been looking at over the last few weeks this fruit of the spirit of kindness and kindness. And so I highlighted to love kindness because we don't want to just be people that do kindness because we're required to do kindness. We don't want to be people that it's a you know obligation to do kindness because that's what we think that we should do as Christians. We ought to be people that love kindness, that love kindness. This is what Micah 6.8 is telling us. Man, let's be people that not just are, they do justice, but they love 
to do kindness. It's something that they're passionate about. They, they, they look for opportunities to show kindness, to do kindness. And that's what ought to be the people that we are. And that begins with sowing the seed of kindness into our heart. And it will produce a kindness that we love to do. That we love it and we enjoy it. It's, it's important to us and we carve out time in our day to do it. Why? Because we just love it. We love it. And so uh, we're going to look at a story. It's, it's, uh, we're going to look at, at 2 Samuel chapter number 4. But before we do that, um, what happened in, uh, where we we're going to pick it up is that Saul, who was the first king of Israel, uh, he died on a battlefield along with his son, one of his sons, Jonathan, who was going to be the king if, after Saul died. And so both die uh, on the battlefield. Saul dies and then also Jonathan dies in that battle. And so where we pick it up is they, the, the report of that gets back to uh, Saul's home. And so it says this in, in um, 2 Samuel 4.4. It says, now Jonathan, Saul's son, had a crippled in his had, had a son crippled in, in his feet. And then it tells us how that happened. He was five years old when the report of Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. What was the report? The report was that Saul and Jonathan died. And so they hear the report. And so as a result of that, his nurse or his his caregiver, his his, his somebody that was watching over you know, him while, while, while Jonathan was, was gone. Um, it says, and his nurse took him up and fled. Why did she do that? Why did they do that? Because if you, if somebody kills Saul and somebody then kills Jonathan, probably the next person in line uh, would be also killed. And so they fled. And, and so as it says that it, they took him up and fled. And it happened then in her hurry to flee, he fell and became lame. And his name was, and this is a mouthful, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. And so it's interesting that in life, this always happens. We, there's always a story for when it happens. There's always a story when it happens. We live in a life that has it happen to us uh, on a regular basis. We live in a life where we face challenges. We live in a world that faces difficulties and hardships, tribulations. We live in this kind of world. We live in a it happens kind of a world. Just like it happened that the nurse picked up Mephibosheth, started running to, to put him into, you know, take him out of harm's way, and she accidentally drops him and he becomes lame. He becomes crippled in both of his feet. This is oftentimes the story of our lives. At least it's the story of people that we know in our life. That just things in this life happen. And they happen lots of different ways. They happen, you know, through an email that you get from somebody. Or they happen because of a, you know, a phone call that you hear. And you have to sit down and talk to a doctor. Everything was going normal in your life. Everything was going fine in your life. And then you got that call. And you had that meeting. Or you got that text. Or you heard about that car accident. We live in a it happens kind of a world. And there's always, always, always a story behind it. There's always a story to tell of how or where you were or what happened when it happens. This is the world that we live in. 
and it happens in a moment, doesn't it? You know this. It just happens in a blink. It happens when we're not expecting it. Or it happens when, you know, when we're just, everything seems to be going okay and going fine. And then all of a sudden, things are turned upside down. It can happen in a, in a blink. And we, that's the kind of life that we've experienced. But just like things that are challenging happen in a moment, God can also come through for us in a moment, that God is always faithful and he's always preparing us for something. There's always a, a reason, that there's always a story be, behind whatever happens to us because God is in control. And when God chooses to turn it around and change it around and, tr- and change the, tra- the trajectory of your life, he will do that. And it will be a moment in, when he does that. And in this story between chapter 4 and what we're going to look at here in, in chapter number 9 in 2 Samuel, about 15 or 20 years uh, went by. And you ought to imagine, Mephibosheth falls, he becomes crippled because it happens, and 15, 20 years goes by in his life. Between chapter 4 and chapter 9, that's the amount of time. But everything now is going to change for Mephibosheth. Everything now is going to change in his world. And I want you to know, this is so important, that God hasn't forgotten about you either. Just like maybe Mephibosheth thought over those 10 years or 15 years, maybe even 20 years that went by, that he was just going to live out his days as a cripple and crutch his way around his life or maybe have to be carried around uh, his life. But, but man, he realized that God was going to come through for him in a real way. And I hope that you know that too. That maybe time goes by in your life, but God hasn't forgotten about you. God hasn't put you on a shelf. That God knows your name, even if your name is Mephibosheth. God knows your name, and he knows your story, and he knows that you and I, we live in a it-happens kind of a world. And so here's where it turns around for him. Then David said, is there yet anyone left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Like David and Jonathan had a tremendous relationship. We'll look at that in a second. But he says, I want to I wanna show kindness. And I want to show kindness in, in Saul's house. And if you know anything about the story of Saul and David, man, their relationship was, was difficult. Their relationship was complex. I mean, for David to even say, Man, I want to show kindness to the house of Saul was exhibiting tremendous amount of grace because of the relationship dynamic between Saul and David. But David wanted to do that. Why did David want to do that? Look at what it says in verse 3. The king said, is there not yet anyone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? You see, the kindness of God is about showing kindness to those who don't deserve it. It's the kindness of God is showing kindness and doing good things for those who d- didn't earn it and, and, and shouldn't, shouldn't be shown any kindness to them. But yet David wanted to exhibit the kindness of God to the house of Saul. And so he asked a guy by the name of Ziba, and he says, And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is but he's crippled in both feet. And then it goes on to say, so the king said to him, well, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, behold, he is in the house of Mitur, the son of Amiel in Lodabar. That's where he's at. 
He's in Lodabar. Now David's hearing this, and David knew exactly about Lodabar. Lodabar wasn't the, the most you know, luxurious place in the world. As a matter of fact, it was named Lodabar means, lo means no, and Dabar means thing. That he was literally in a place of nothing. That's where he was living. He was in a living in a place of nothing. And David says, listen, where is he? Where is he? Oh, he's in a, right now, Mephibosheth, he's crippled because it happens. And he's living in a place of nothing. I don't know about you, but man, it feels like we live in a place of nothing. We live in a world that, you know, it just seems like there's just really nothing all that good happening because we live in a place where nothing really good happens because it happens here in a place of nothing. We live in that world and compared to, to, to that, we, we look at the Apostle Paul who, who described uh, you know, his, his, his relationships or his accomplishments prior to knowing Jesus and coming to a faith in Jesus. And he talked about all of his, his achievements and all of his accomplishments. And, and he says that no one can boast. He, he says, no one can boast like I can boast of the accomplishments and the achievements in this life. No one can boast like I can. But he says, those things, those things that were that at one point in my life that were gained to me, he says, those those things that were at one point I thought were important to me. He says, outside of that, knowing Jesus Christ, he says, those things are like nothing. He says, those things are nothing. What I thought was important, what I thought I could gain in this world, I live in a world of nothing in comparison to knowing Jesus. And the king was inviting a crippled, lame young man to his house. He was inviting him out of a place of podunk to the palace. He was inviting him out of a place of nothing and into a palace that had everything that he could ever need in his life. This is what Mephibosheth, and this is how it was turned around for him. And so it says in verse 5, it says, Then King David sent, so the king sent and brought him from the house of Mishar to the son of Amiel from Lodabar. And so I, I think this is so, this is so important, and this is incredible news for us, is that the king sent someone to go get him out of a place of nothing. And I just think that that is so amazing that the king, our king in heaven, came, it was sent to go get us and deliver us out of this place of nothing. And that's exactly what he did. And Jesus is giving this picture and Jesus is telling this scenario of what this looks like for us. And he said, Jesus is giving this parable and he says that there was this king who was gonna have this amazing, incredible feast. He was gonna open up his home and he's gonna bring everybody into the dining room and allow everybody to sit at the king's table with the king. And he sent a servant out to invite people to come to this feast 
And it says that they reported back after he went out and invited certain people that he said they reported back that, oh, king, I'm sorry, but nobody's coming. They all have a lot of excuses. One excuse was somebody bought some land and they needed to go check it out. Another excuse was somebody bought some yoke of oxen and they needed to go and deal with that. Somebody's excuse was they just got married and they didn't want to, you know, leave their spouse and come to your dinner table and have your feast, king. And it says, it says in Luke 14, verse 21, it says, and the slave came back and reported this to his master. Then the head of the household became angry and said to his slave, well, then you go out at once into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. This is incredible news for you and I because you and I are now invited. Everyone is invited that the king sent his son Jesus to invite us, those of us who are crippled or blind or lame or poor, wherever your category that you fall into, that the king has invited us into. And he says, I have a lot of room. I have more room. He says, go out and keep inviting people. Keep inviting people. Keep letting people know that there is room at the king table. Church, there's room at the king's table. Are you making room for people at the king's table? Are you and I going out? Are we going out and are we inviting people to come and to sit at the table where we get to sit? And David sent Ziba and said, I want you to go and get him from a place of nothing, and I want you to bring him into my house where he can have everything, and he has a spot at my table. And so he goes and he brings Mephibosheth into his house. Mephibosheth figures out a way to get inside of the king's home and where the king palace is and where he has this big spread set up and ready for him at the table and it says that David in verse 7 David said to him do not fear for I will surely show kindness to you for the sake of your father Jonathan and will restore to you all the land of your grandfather Saul and you shall eat at my table regularly Verse 8, he says, and again, he prostrated himself and said, what is your servant that you should regard a dead dog like me? Obviously, Mephibosheth saw himself as a nothing, as a nobody, as somebody that was living in a place of nothing and because it happens to everybody and everybody has a story and no one should really feel worthy. But the king says, I'm just going to show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan, and I'm just going to invite you to my table, not just on a one-time occasion, but you get to come to my table regularly, and you get to sit with me. Verse 11 tells us, so Mephibosheth ate at David's table, look at this, as one of the king's sons. Wow. You know, you and I get to be called out of a place of nothing 
nothing in comparison to a place that he has prepared for us. A place that he's given you a spot in eternity that where he is, you and I get to be with him also. That you have an address in a place of everything called heaven. And he's sent his son Jesus to call you and me out of this place one day and to step into that place one day and we get to be there for eternity. And we get a spot at the king's table as if we were one of the king's own sons or daughters. Wow. Wow. David the king showed that kind of kindness. Why? Because David loved kindness. David showed kindness because David loved kindness. And he wanted to show the kindness of God to a young man that didn't feel like he deserved it or earned it. So the question I have for us as we close is how do we love kindness? How do we love kindness? If in the meantime, Micah 6, 8, to do justice, we'll talk about that next week, but to love kindness. How do we love kindness? Well, I think David, in the story to Mephibosheth, gives us a picture of what it looks like for us to love kindness. The first thing I see is this, to show kindness for the sake of the Father. That we, how we love kindness is, a, is by to show kindness for the sake of the Father. That, that's why we ought to love kindness because the Father in heaven showed kindness to us. So we should be people who show kindness but love kindness not for anyone else's sake other than the sake of the Father. That's what David kept saying to Mephibosheth. I, I, I've shown you kindness for the sake of your father. That's why I'm showing you kindness. It's for the sake of your father. Why we show kindness? It's for the sake of our heavenly father who calls us his sons and his daughters who invites us to sit at his table. So we show kindness. It's for his sake. It's for his glory. It's his, his will, not ours. As a matter of fact, that's how Jesus lived his life here on earth. Jesus would make this statement, and he said it in multiple occasions. We'll just use this one text here, which he says, he says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is important for us to know that you exist, that you're alive, and that you get an invitation to the king's table, and it's for his glory, it's for his sake, it's for his will, not your own. Your life was bought with a price. Our lives are now his. It's not what you will, 
It's what he wills. It's not what you think is best. It's what he thinks is best. It's not what you want. It's what he wants. It's always for the sake of the Father. And when we do that, we'll love kindness. We'll show kindness. He goes on to say, Jesus says in John 6, This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing. In other words, I don't want to waste my life doing my own will. I don't want to exhaust valuable time, the short time that I have here on this planet. I don't want to lose anything by not doing the will of the Father, is what he's saying. But to raise him up on the last day. Verse 40. For this is the will of my Father. So this is good for us to know. If you're not sure what the will of the Father is for you, it's the same for Jesus, it's the same for you and for me. He says, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. The will of the Father is for those, for everyone, not for some, not for a few, not for the people that you get along with, not for the people that look like you or act like you, but this is for everyone who beholds the Son and believes in the Son and that He will have eternal life. And on your last day, on this place of nothing, He'll raise you up. He'll raise you up. He'll raise you up. And that's for everyone. That's for everyone. Why? Because everyone is invited to the king's table. Everyone. So for Jesus and for you and for me, we show kindness. We love kindness not for your sake, but for the sake of our Father who showed kindness to you. The other thing I see in this story is that we are to see others in the same way the Father sees us. We are to see others in the same way that the Father sees us. You see, Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth, saw himself as a dead dog. Remember that? He's, he bowed down. He lowered himself down to the ground in, in the face of, in front of the king and says, I'm not, I'm a dead dog. I'm not, I'm not worthy to be invited to your table. That's how Mephibosheth saw himself as a dead dog. But Jonathan, Mephibosheth's father, Jonathan the father saw him as a full of life, Little boy. That's the way that Jonathan saw him. And so David, David saw Mephibosheth in the same way that his father saw him. Not as a dead dog. That's not the way that his father saw him. His father saw him as a full of life little boy. That's the way. And so David says this. David essentially says this. The way I can honor the Father is by showing kindness to the one made in his image. David's like, the way that I can honor the Father, 
Jonathan in this story, or the way that you and I can honor our Heavenly Father is by showing kindness to the one made in his image. David looked at Mephibosheth and he saw the image of his father. Literally, he saw a resemblance of Jonathan in Mephibosheth. You and I need to see everyone, everyone as made in the image of our heavenly father because everyone is made in the image of our heavenly father. So the way that you can honor the father is by showing kindness to one, to everyone made in his image. That's what David did. And that's what you and I ought to do is to show honor to God by loving everyone made in his image. The third observation that I see in the story that of how we love kindness is to shepherd people to a spot at the Father's table. Is to shepherd people. And it, the, the, the idea of shepherd is, is it actually where the word pastor derives from. That, that as a pastor, uh, I, I have my responsibility uh, is, is to shepherd people to the plans of God, the will of God, what God expects out of all of us. It's, it's a responsibility. But I, I, I don't think that it's just my responsibility. I think that it's everyone's responsibility to shepherd people. I don't think that it's a pastoral thing. I just think that it's a Jesus-following thing. And that we ought to be shepherding people to, to a spot at the Father's table. That we ought to be the ones that maybe God is sending to someone in a place of nothing to say, hey, there's a king who's inviting you and he invited me and I accepted that invitation to his table and there's everything that you can ever dream of and want and, 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 and nothing that you can find here in this life will ever compare to what you get there. And you and I, you and I, if you're a Christian, you and I are shepherds. And we're to shepherd people to a spot. Why? Because we have a God who is a shepherd to us. And we are to shepherd people to a spot at the Father's table. So the question I have is, how did David get a spot at the king's table? Well, how did David get there, by the way? Maybe you're wondering, well, how did, how, why isn't Mephibosheth king and not David? Because if it was Saul, and then Saul died, and then Jonathan, he died, wouldn't it be Mephibosheth? As a, as a matter of fact, wasn't it because they were in a hurry and they were going to safety because they knew that whoever killed Saul and whoever killed Jonathan was going to kill Mephibosheth because he was supposed to be the next king in line. But then why was David the king and not Mephibosheth? How did David even get a spot at the king's table? And the answer 
is found in 1 Samuel 18, and it says this. Then Jonathan, Mephibosheth's father, made a covenant with David. Why? Because he loved him as himself. Jonathan and David had a relationship that was loving and kind and caring, and, and Jonathan recognized, Jonathan recognized that, he, that David was, was supposed to be the next king because David was God's man. And, and Jonathan recognized that this, this shepherd boy who would attend to these sheep, he was supposed to be the next king. And so Jonathan did this. It says, And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him, and he gave it to David with his armor, including his sword and his bow and his belt. So Jonathan is wearing, you got to imagine with me that Jonathan is, is the heir of the throne. He's wearing this kingly robe, and he's having this, this, these clothes that, of, a, of a royal. And that's what he's wearing. And it says that Jonathan, because he loved David like he loved him his own self, that he took off and he made a covenant and that covenant was was that he took off this robe and he gave it to David and in exchange in exchange David took off his what he was wearing which was probably these these smelly grimy hole filled garments that David was wearing as a shepherd boy attending to stinky smelly sweaty sheep and he took off his clothes, and they exchanged clothes with each other. And it was called a covenant exchange, is what they were doing. And essentially, a covenant exchange was, I am going to become what you are, and you are going to become what I am. I am going to become what you are, and you are going to become what I am. So Jonathan was saying, David, I'm going to become a lowly shepherd boy like you, but David, you are going to become a king with royalty like me. And that's the exchange and the permanent exchange that was made that day between Jonathan and David. I can't think of a better picture than what Jesus did for you and for me. He took his royalty of righteousness and he exchanged it for our unrighteousness, our filthy rags of righteousness. He exchanged it for us. Why? Because he loved us in a way that we've never seen before. He loved us more than he loved himself. And he exchanged with us his righteousness for our unrighteousness. The scripture says that for he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we can be known and have the righteousness of God through him. It is a imperfect life that he took for us so that we can have a perfect life and that's the way that king sees us. Wow. What an exchange that happened. What an exchange. I don't know how Mephibosheth, I don't know how he got to the table. All we know is certainly 
the reason why he had a spot and the reason why Shepherd David led and gave Mephibosheth the spot at the table was because of goodness and loving kindness. Because I'm sure David looked at Mephibosheth like he looked at some of his sheep that he had, that he cared for. And David was reminded of the fact that of what he wrote in what we now know as Psalm 23. That David says, you know what, the way that God is to me, I want to be for Mephibosheth. The way that I was as a shepherd, I want to be that for a, a young, little, crippled sheep who can't get himself to the table. He can't get there to the table, but only way that he has a spot at the table is because of the goodness of God, because of the loving kindness of God. The only reason why David got to the table is because of the goodness of God and because of the loving kindness of God. The only reason why you and I get a spot at the table is because of the goodness of God and the loving kindness of God. That's the only reason. And David was reminded, oh, the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. In other words, I don't need anything in this world because this world is a place of nothing. This world doesn't give me what, I, what, I, what my soul needs. It doesn't give me what I desire. It doesn't ever satisfy. It won't ever fulfill. But when the Lord is my shepherd, man, I won't want for anything because he's everything that I need. Oh, and he, verse 2, makes me lie down in green pastures. Like, I, I fight lying down in green pastures. God's like, I've got green pastures for you. Like, it's good. This is better here. Oh, no, I want to roll around in the dirt and roll around in the mud thinking that that's going to make me happier. And God's going, no, no, no. I'm not going to just tell you to come over to green pastures. I'm going to make you lie down in green pastures. And he's going to lead me beside these quiet waters. Oh, in a world of chaos and confusion and uncertainty and questions and what's true and what isn't true, God's saying, I want to just lead you to some quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness. For whose sake? Come on, say it with me at home. For whose sake? It's for his name's sake. I mean, it's not for my sake. Uh Uh-uh. It's not for my, my, my mom's sake. My, it's not for my dad's sake. It's not for uh, grandma's sake. No, 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 no. No, he restores your soul, and he's guiding you in a path of righteousness. It is not even for your sake. It's for his name's sake. You know, even though I, verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. I'm not, I don't know, this valley, I don't like this valley. I'm, man, we feel like we're walking through this valley and the shadow of death and there's a lot to be afraid of, but I'm not gonna fear no evil. Why? Because I know that he's with me and his rod as a shepherd and his staff as a shepherd when they give me comfort. Look what he says in verse five. For you prepare a table before me. He's prepared a table for us King Jesus has invited us to come and have a spot at his table, and he's prepared it for us. Even in the presence of mine enemies, you have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Verse six, surely, certainly, 
You can count on that. Goodness and loving kindness will follow you all the days of your life. And then goodness and loving kindness will get you into the house of the Lord forever. You get a spot at the table because of the goodness and the loving kindness in these days. Oh, we live in a it happens. Oh, we live in a place of nothing that seems all that good happens. But you can know that goodness and loving kindness will follow you in all of these days. And then when you leave these days and you step into forever in his house, that's everything. That's everything. It's for his sake. It's for his name's sake. Oh, and you show kindness to everyone because that's what God did for you and we ought to show kindness to all that are made in his image. Every person, everyone. And you and I can show kindness and love kindness because we shepherd people to a spot at the table where they can have what you and I have, goodness and loving kindness that will follow us in all of our days and will lead us into forever where he's prepared a table for you, for you. Father, I pray that that's the kind of people that we are that we love kindness, we show kindness because first and foremost, it's for your glory, it's for your honor, and it's for your sake, not the sake of anyone else. That we love kindness and we show kindness to everyone, every person that's created and made in your image, that we see people in that way and that we honor you by loving others that way. That you exchanged and you became less so that we can have more. I pray that that is an example of the way that we can show kindness to others is that we become Less We give ourselves to them so that they can be built up and edified and become more. I pray, Lord, that that's the kind of kindness that we exhibit. I pray, God, that we shepherd people, that we shepherd people, that we're sent out to the highways and the byways and the hedges and the cities and the suburbs and we... And, Proclaim that a king has a lot of room in his house and he's inviting us to a feast. I pray, Lord, that we're shepherding people to a spot at the table 
that the king prepared for us. And then we can know in all of our days, what will follow us is goodness and loving kindness. And as we step into forever, we're going to experience like we've never before experienced goodness and loving kindness. I pray that we're people in the meantime that we do Micah 6-8. That we love kindness because you did. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.